spit its condensation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and on today's episode, we have another installment of Winning the Job, the series that's dedicated to speaking with musicians who recently won an audition and finding out how they think they were successful. First up, we have Jeff Lewandowski. Jeff recently won a position with the U.S. Army Field Band. Jeff's a very good friend of mine, so it was especially fun to be able to call Jeff and talk to him about his successful audition. The interview began with me asking, how did you break down the excerpts for this audition to make sure you were prepared? Here's what he said. I guess the first thing I did was I just played down all the excerpts in like a mock round fashion, so... I had two auditions at that time for a Navy band and field band. So for some of the excerpts overlap, so I just took the excerpts from each one and, and split them up into three or four mock rounds and then played them all down and recorded them. And then uh, listened back to see what I needed to start working on and what was weak, um, see what I didn't need to work on so that I could kind of have a game plan for the rest of the Two months leading up to those auditions and then after that I just started doing mock rounds every day like two three four mock rounds a day and then I spent every evening listening to the mock rounds um, at half speed and at full speed just trying to like pick apart all the different things about them like intonation style and tempo what notes I'm constantly missing um, all the basic fundamentals of it. And, and then in the, like after I did the mock rounds in the morning, I would practice only the stuff that I needed to practice. I wouldn't waste my chops like trying to play through things just for the fun of it or just because I felt insecure. I just only practiced the stuff I needed to and save chops uh, for performing more mock rounds and trying to get all that stuff dialed in. So that's kind of the basic preparation for the excerpts. So you would go back and listen at half tempo and you listened at full tempo. When you decided what you needed to work on, did you work on it at full speed? Did you slow things down a lot? Like how did you sort of break down maybe some of the technical considerations for some of these excerpts um, when you were working on it? Typically when I'm working on something, I play it pretty slowly. Most of the time, half tempo. You know, if I heard something I didn't like, I would try to break it down to as small of a piece as I could. So if there was a note that was out of tune or a note that I was missing, I would try and figure out what before that note was causing me to miss it. And so I would just work on that section. So if I could narrow an issue down to just a measure or just two measures, then that would be all that I worked on. And so the problem for me that I had a lot was like, um, I think it was like outdoor overture at the end, I was having trouble re-articulating that last note you had to articulate um, really clearly and not just, I was having trouble with things from going high to low. So I, I spent a lot of time working on just getting that one note from a high 
see to that, I think it's like a low F. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things like that, just trying to like narrow it down to figure out why I was having issues with stuff. So the less I was able to practice, the better. Breaking stuff down to its smallest group was how I, how I fix stuff, not trying to play through stuff over and over again. But every time trying to play it really slowly. So typically half speed, you know, 50% of what I would normally play it at. And so you weren't worried necessarily about trying to play the whole excerpt when working on it because you were doing so many mock rounds. You knew you were just going to cover that again at some point in a sort of a more performance-like fashion? Yeah. I mean, I was going to play each excerpt a lot. So I wasn't worried about getting FaceTime on that. But, like, you know, I would play through an excerpt, and most of the stuff is usually good. I think that's the case for most people. It's like you play an excerpt and... Hopefully, if you're going to be taking an audition, like 70% of that excerpt is pretty solid. You know, there should only be a couple notes or a couple things that are bothering you about something. So you shouldn't, I, I think that you shouldn't spend your time practicing stuff that you're already good at, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you can already play something well and there's only a measure where you're having an issue, why bother wasting time doing that? And especially for me at that point in time, like I was freelancing every night. So, you know, I'd have like two and a half hours of rehearsal every day, if not more, or a concert. So saving chops to do the job and to prepare for the audition was was really important. So I wanted to make sure every day that while I was practicing for the audition that I was doing it on my best face, like being able to play everything my best and, you know, not sacrifice, you know, just not waste chops all the time. So... I always found that, like, when I was younger, you know, I could sit in a practice room for hours and hours and just play through stuff over and over again, but you're not really accomplishing anything. You're just right. playing stuff over and over. So I found it best to just break everything down and and only practice what I needed to practice. And that just came from really careful listening every day, you know, just spending time listening to each excerpt two or three times, figure out what, what you need to practice, and then just go from there. So let's talk about how that transitioned into the actual audition. Do you feel like you played the best audition you've ever played, or was it pretty on par with the rest of them and this one just worked out? Did you Were they asking you to do lots of stuff over again? Kind of what was your experience about the audition itself and how you played? I think I was the most prepared for this audition I've ever been. I felt the most confident, too. I went into this audition, like, mentally prepared for the first time. Um, three weeks before the Army Field Band audition, I had uh, a Navy Band audition, and I was really mentally prepared for that. Like, I was doing everything I could. So when I, when it got to this audition, uh, because I was so successful in the Navy Band audition, I felt really ready for this. I felt like I was going to win. There was nothing holding me back, like, no negative thoughts. So when I went into this, I just, I was ready. Does that kind of answer your question or? <laughs> oh, it does actually. And I'm going to take it in a different direction too, because I think this is one of the most important parts to talk about for an audition was um, what made you so mentally ready versus other auditions you've taken. I, I know you well enough that we've actually been at some auditions before and you've been close yeah. and you've, you've had some really, really close, uh, but not quite, you know? And so I'm curious what, kinds of things made you feel like you were mentally ready this time to have so much more success? Well, I kind of did everything I could 
for these two auditions. Uh, like everything everybody ever told me to do. I was constantly visualizing myself playing in the audition, like winning the audition. I was always visualizing myself like being in the band, actually playing in the band, like having won the job. So it was like doing different levels of visualization. I was 100% committed to winning the job. Like there wasn't a day that went by where I felt like I didn't do as much as I could. So I had a really strict schedule for like three months where like a month and a half before the Navy audition, I got the list for it and I just started uh, preparing every day, you know, uh, recording and listening and refining my fundamentals. And then I was just, I was listening to like podcasts from, you know, really positive speakers and trying to like get a mental edge. I kind of did like some like self-hypnosis things for success and for like positive thinking, uh, exercising every day, living healthy. Um, I made sure every day that nothing got in my way from winning this audition. It was pretty much the most important thing to me at that point. I basically did everything. So when I walked into the auditions, there wasn't any doubt that I was ready. Every audition before that, I felt like I could always walk into the audition and be like, well, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. But these auditions, I I didn't allow myself to do that anymore. You know, like every day I had to do X amount of things in order to win. And I made sure I did them. So uh, I had a pretty strict schedule as far as like practicing goes. Just like, yeah, like I said, working on my fundamentals, working on the excerpts, mentally keeping myself in the game and trying to think like a winner, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's cool, man. I I know you've listened to a, some of the probably these same podcasts and read some of these same articles from these guys who are very successful, and they'll say, like, do whatever it takes. What are you willing to sacrifice? You know, like, what kinds of things are you willing to do to achieve your goals? And it's very inspiring to me that the difference for you between maybe the close wins but not quite to this where you were successful was just like sort of a lifestyle change, it sounds like. Not so much just I played better, but I just took every aspect of it just that much more seriously. Basically saying that it's kind of a, yeah, it's like everything about your life should reflect that this is a something that's important to you and it's not just, hey, let's just practice the excerpts a little bit and see how it goes. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, ask, I hear a lot of people that go to auditions and they say, well, I just want to, I just want to take an audition and I just want to do my best or I want to do, you know, I'm just going to go there and see what happens. And I kind of felt that way for a long time. And, you know, you go there and you're just like, oh, I hope I'm going to do well. But I just made sure I was going to do well, you know, whether yeah. I did or not didn't matter. But like, if I went in there, stuck to my game plan the whole, the whole way through, I knew I was going to go in there and, and do my best, if not win, you know. Even though I didn't win the Navy Band audition, I felt like I didn't care. To me, I still won in the end. And then, you know, a few weeks later, having the Field Band audition, I was even more confident because I was still sticking to that plan and came out successful in that one. So, So how did you decide to make those? changes i guess what made you were you just like i'm finally going to do it or did you talk to somebody did you listen to something that made you think i'm going to make these changes and take it that much more seriously uh i think i was just kind of fed up with freelancing 
and the constant traveling and just the nature of that job. I had been freelancing at that point for seven years, I think, um, five of that in Michigan. So, I mean, I was driving all the time, playing different places, just doing whatever I could to make a living. Um, so that that got pretty tiring after a while, even though I enjoyed it. It was still pretty taxing on myself. Um, you know, I got some things in my family kind of pushed me towards getting the most out of my life. I just kind of felt like I needed to, to get on with it and get a really solid job, work with really great people. And I just wanted to be, I don't know, I just kind of felt like I, I after listening to Jordan Peterson and Jocko Willink and David Goggins and these like crazy like Navy SEAL people talking about like being successful and, uh, you know, doing the best they could do all the time. I just felt really inspired by that. And I was just looking at my life and feeling like I'd never done that before, you know, like I'd always come up short. So I felt really inspired and really committed to doing my best and not letting anything get in my way. You know, having no excuse for why you didn't win. You know, if, if I didn't win an audition at that point, like I wanted to know that I did my absolute best. Yeah, I didn't want to make excuses anymore. I didn't want to, like, walk out of the audition and make up some stupid excuse as to why I didn't win it. I just wanted, you know, if I didn't win it, I'd be like, well, I'm, I'm happy with what happened, you know, even though I didn't I didn't win. Yeah. So then to kind of come full circle, all of these things, you were talking about the preparation and how you were running it, recording yourself a lot, and then working just those minor sections, and then uh, coupled with this sort of lifestyle change, um, how do you feel like that manifested itself in your actual playing? I mean, did you feel like you were just free to play and everything worked the way you wanted it to? Or did you still feel like there was some sort of struggle? Kind of what was the experience in the actual audition? All the stuff I had prepared, I felt I felt really solid on. Um, at that point, I probably did, in in those three months of preparing for both auditions, I had probably had done almost 100 mock rounds, you know, something like that, consisting of like seven to eight excerpts. So all the all the stuff I prepared, I thought it went pretty well. You know, I, I thought it was like some of my best playing I've ever done. I, I felt absolutely confident, you know, like I made all the mistakes prior to walking in the audition. Yeah, so when yeah. I got there, even if I made a small mistake, it meant nothing to me, you know, because I just kept going through and trying to make music and, and trying to play as well as I could. So, like, nothing fazed me as far as the prepared uh, excerpts. Um, in the field band audition, though, the thing that threw me off was they had sight reading in each round. And it wasn't it wasn't normal sight reading for me. So there was a lot of, like, uh, commercial charts or jazz charts, and they were pretty difficult. You know, they had, like, second trumpet jazz or commercial charts and so for me, that was not a common thing for me, having just played in orchestras the whole time. I didn't see a lot of those. So that was probably the most difficult part of the audition for me, was, was sight reading these commercial charts. It was definitely not the highlight of the audition. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I kept going through them. I tried to just keep the pulse and just keep playing and, and play my best through them. And luckily, I didn't bomb on them too hard. So they, they kept me going. But as far as everything else, though, like the section playing, the solo they had me play, 
the etude, all of the excerpts, I, I felt really comfortable. I felt completely unfazed by the audition. I just felt like I was there and playing my best. And, you know, even if I chipped a note here or there, or I don't know, you know, whatever happens, it didn't, it just didn't matter anymore. Cause yeah. I had played it all so much. Like there was something to be said for running through stuff that much and, and figuring out every single issue you have before you walk in, you know? Yeah. Well, thanks, dude. I appreciate you chatting with me for a little bit. It's all really good advice. And, um, yeah, congratulations, obviously, on the job. And I'm glad things are going well for you, man. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. All right, man. <laughs> all right, dude. Take it easy. Talk to you later. All right, bye. It's pretty amazing that the desire to win this audition was so great that it led to all of these really positive life changes for Jeff. I imagine he would be glad he took all the auditions he took, seeing as how being so close so many times led him to taking this audition as seriously as he did, which then led him to making those positive life changes. I think it's important to draw attention to the fact that Jeff's busy schedule of freelancing didn't impede his ability to prepare for this audition. He was able to adjust his practicing to meet the demand that his career placed on it. There were no excuses for him. He just got it done. Next up, we have John Romero. John recently won principal trombone with the Metropolitan Opera Orchestra. I'm thankful to John that he was willing to speak with me about his audition, and I think there's a great deal of wonderful information given by him in his interview. We started off with me asking, was there anything different about how you prepared for this audition versus previous auditions that you have taken? Let's see what he said. I mean, there, there definitely was a lot different about this audition than prior ones. Um, the thought kind of in my head leading up to it was, I'm going to do this one right. And that for me, um, that term, doing it right, um, for me means uh, I, I'm kind of a, I'm the guy who, you know, would study for the test the night before and, you know, usually be fine. I, I usually don't really, uh, I practice, but I usually, like, my preparation is kind of, uh, haphazard, not, don't really have a plan. And for this one, you know, I decided I was going to listen to every excerpt several times with several different recordings and really figure out the way I wanted it to sound. And, and uh, I was going to record myself and make a practice track. And I, I didn't even go into this audition thinking, I'm going to win this. I know a lot of great players, like the audition, they, they have to be able to convince themselves that this is the one they're going to win it no matter what. For me, it was actually just kind of, um, you know, I'd already won Fort Worth. Uh, and so for me, I just uh, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could just get past the prelims in a major audition, you know, cause, cause you always hear it's all about being in time and tune and not messing too much stuff up. And that's never been my strong suite, just kind of with the consistency required to do that and the practice style and the preparation style. So I was like, I'm going to do this right. And it did, it definitely affected the audition. You know, it, the semis round in particular was by far some of the best playing I've ever done in a high pressure situation like that. It was pretty much flawless in terms of like how, how much I had worked it up and then the execution of that in the room. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I got some comments about that from the, uh, you know, people on the panel and they said that was 
Uh, actually, I got one comment, and I won't say from who, but um, apparently the Met has a policy that if someone has such a good audition in the semis round that they actually can vote to um, to just declare that person the winner anyways. And he said, I almost had enough votes for that. Um, That's so amazing. That was that was a really yeah that was a really good round for me. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the finals uh, wasn't as good. I was kind of tired. I chipped some notes, but um, the other comment I got that distinguished me from the other people was that I played just with a very beautiful uh, musical style, particularly on the solo. And uh, it didn't sound like playing the instrument was was difficult for me. It just sounded like I was having some issues with fatigue, and then but but also that like. You know, I genuinely enjoy playing music, um, and that's uh, something that I don't think I really prepared specifically for in this audition. It's just kind of through through my playing career, I've kind of tried to cultivate a some you know some sense of artistry. Sure, I've never particularly enjoyed the kind of the mindset that it's all about just playing in time and tune. And I, I've always enjoyed Christian Lindbergh's recordings and how he may not actually sound very good on certain things, you know, maybe his attacks are brittle or something, but it's always the most exciting or beautiful thing you've ever heard. Right. 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 Um, yeah. I can talk more about kind of the audition process because I did do some more specific things differently this time around or we can move on. No, sure. Uh, why don't you just keep going with that train of thought? Yeah. So, um, uh, just kind of a small aside, but I actually almost didn't even uh, apply for the audition. I didn't know it existed. Um, and then one of my friends was like, Hey, you're going to do the med audition. And I looked and, uh, I actually ended up submitting my resume late because uh, the deadline was wrong on the website I went to, and so I end up submitting, and I have to apologize and you know beg them to let me in, and they do. Um, so I start preparing, I think about a week later than probably everyone else, and I started off just, like I said, with just listening to everything I keep my hands on. And these opera excerpts, you know, they're like five seconds in a three-hour opera, so it would take me sometimes three hours to, to find one excerpt out of like 35. <laughs> yeah. Um and that was a whole process of cross-referencing the the vocal score and the the libretto and you know the rehearsal numbers aren't on the song names and it was you know that actually to me is probably the hardest part. And then uh, anyway, so once I had that, um, like I said, I made some practice tracks, um, and I had the uh, the brilliant idea to actually use an auto tuning filter because for me I I use drones um, and I use a, a strobe tuner. But it's, it, to me, the feedback is a little too slow, and it's, it takes a little too long to kind of really lock in what that pitch is supposed to sound like, particularly on faster things. Whereas when I've played with someone who's better than me in tuning, it seems like the, the pitch locks in much quicker. So um, I would uh, make a quick track. I would record half-tempo, and then I would auto-tune that half-tempo track, speed it up so it was kind of in a trumpet range, easier to hear over my own playing, and... Um, with that, I was able to take away the click track and just play with the auto-tune thing and work on my sense of time or um, take a, just play with the click track and take away the practice track and see how much my tuning had improved or take away both of them and just have a lead-in click track and then nothing and see, you know, that was kind of my uh, audition uh, master test, particularly on things like William Tell. And um, the, the great thing about that is using, you know, Audacity, I can uh, I could see exactly when I got ahead or behind. Um, it's pretty easy to see with the, the amplitudes when things weren't even. And I really feel like that, I, I spent a, probably the majority of the, uh, the eight weeks of preparation doing just that kind of practicing. That to me was probably the most effective thing that I did differently this time around compared to um, say my Fort Worth audition where uh, I guess I, I took a more traditional practice route. Yeah, that's so, really interesting. Uh, yeah, and at this point I've kind of used it for, for some warm-up uh, things like long tones, you know, I, I will say I think it, it does make 
my playing a little bit inflexible when I practice just with that. So um, now I kind of I kind of shifted more to playing along with recordings when I'm learning operas. But yeah, so that's that's kind of that. There were there were a couple other things that uh, were really really useful. I just yeah, I took some lessons. I hadn't done that before for an audition. Um, I did more mock auditions. Yeah, it was, like I said, I kind of decided I was going to do things right, and it all ended up paying off. So in terms of your mental state where you were as a player, do you feel like that's something that you had worked on? I've talked to a fair amount of people now, and a lot of them say that they would do some exercises or sort of whatever amount of thinking they had to do to make sure that their mind was going to be in the right place. Do you feel like that's something you also had to deal with, or you sort of naturally have your mind in a good place? Oh, not at all. Uh, I beat myself up uh, in practice. Uh, I never, I've never gotten to the point where I want to throw the sand quite, but um, I definitely <laughs> have to work on my mental self-talk, and I get very, very nervous um, at auditions particularly. Um, so for me, uh, that, that also is something I was a lot more successful with this go-around. Um, I, I do think not needing to win the audition for me helped because it didn't affect my work work ethic. But it did, it did help me uh, in the sense that when I got to the audition, I think for me when I've needed to win something – it typically makes me more nervous and it makes my thoughts harder to, it makes, when I make a mistake, which is inevitable, it seems more, you know, there's more at stake for this right. one. Is, oh, I, I already have a job, you know, yeah, or whatever. Um, and then just with the mental self-talk, uh, you know, take William Tell again, you know, it, I never got that one quite perfect and it's really easy to see, you know, just how far off I am and just think, why can't I just not rush there? Why can't I, whatever, you know, you, you know, and uh, saying worse things to myself and I have to remind myself, that they're not looking for perfection, you know, they're not robots, they're not going to count the milliseconds that you rush there, or you've done harder things before and succeeded, it'll be fine, you know, just kind of practicing those kind of thoughts. And um, when it came time to do the audition, I found that just having about two months of, you know, mindfully countering those negative thoughts really did help in the audition because there are a lot of almost uh, subconscious thoughts that go through my head at least, you know, I'm sure all of us have those thoughts at auditions. You know, oh, there's so many, there's so many great players here. I don't feel prepared enough. Oh, not this list. You know. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it definitely helped my uh, my nerves to um, have that that experience countering those thoughts ahead of time. And so you found yourself practicing that in the practice room. Say maybe you were doing William Tell. If you made a mistake or whatever in the uh, practice room, would you find yourself then being like, this is an opportunity for me to practice positive self speak, or how would you go about that? Uh, yeah, definitely. So if that, if that happened, I think I just sort of got into the habit of, I, like, I pretty much know every time I make a mistake, I'm going to think something terrible about <laughs> that. Or, or, you know, if I got emotional about not being able to fix something, if I just had a bad playing day, I have to remind myself that oftentimes, you know, even if it doesn't sound good in the moment, it usually ends up sounding better the next day after I sleep on it. So just really, it was, it was, for me, it was a lot of calling to mind pre- previous success. And um, and just asking if certain thoughts were realistic. You know, is it true that you'll never, ever improve? Because it seems like you've been improving, you know, for several years now, right? Uh, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. Yeah. And by extension, you would just be able to continue improving then that your brain is telling you in this moment it's not good enough. But if you've been improving, then you've proven to yourself that you can continue to do so. And I think it's just incredibly important. It's right. why I'm stuck on this thing just for a second, because in my opinion, playing an instrument at a very high level is significantly more mental than it is physical. How you talk to yourself, the kinds of things you're thinking while playing 
and what you're focused on, I think will have a bigger impact on whether or not you play consistently and you have focus in your playing than just your sheer ability on the instrument itself. And so I'm just curious. It's very oh, cool to hear that your success in the audition, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of making sure that you are in a good mental space. And I was going to ask, you know, what percentage of it for you do you, do you think it was um, – I guess it's your success attributed to, you know, you said you had one of the best semifinal rounds that you've ever had and they maybe were almost just going to hire you on the spot. How much of that do you think is related to your ability versus what, you know, where your mind was? Um, that's a good question uh, because I think a lot of things came together for me for that particular audition. If I took that audition, you know, a year later, even uh, definitely a year earlier, I don't think I would have quite been ready. Um, but just having played in the Fort Worth Symphony with so many great players, um, a lot of whom were strong in areas I was weak, I've always uh, enjoyed being in that kind of setting. Um, I was not the strongest player when I first got to college, for example, and so I've always tried to, uh, in some ways, absorb their strengths and learn, try to almost, you know, just intuit how they do what they do. There's something about seeing someone who is so consistent in tuning that kind of proves uh, on a more fundamental level that it's possible to really play every note just about perfectly in tune. And I don't want to say I didn't believe that, but, you know, it, it's so, so some of that, I think, rubbed off on me. Um, and I really noticed that that was the case when I went and, uh, when I subbed with the Houston Symphony, actually the week before the Met audition, it was a last minute thing. Um, and the last time I played with Houston was as a student at Bryce University. And uh, it was, it was extremely difficult to match their style, their tuning. And I felt out of place and definitely like the weak link. And this was kind of a cakewalk. You know, yeah. So that was a big confidence boost. Um, so I feel like part of part of the confidence I got was from just the sheer physical ability I gained in the years at Fort Worth. You know, and I I just kind of like the Houston thing. It did give me a mental boost to know that I had more consistency and better tuning. And then, sorry, the question was uh, how what percentage of uh, it would you attribute to kind of the mental aspect as well? Sure, sure. I'm sure it's hard to put a percentage it's, on it's really it, so it's kind of a yeah. it's kind of like a more conceptual yeah. idea of you know would you say more right. of it would be related to the mental part you know your mental space being good or yeah, yeah, do you yeah. feel like that mental space being good allowed you to use your skills to their maximum ability maybe is a better way to ask that question. Sure, I definitely do. Um, when I when I was playing at the Met, it wasn't that I uh, like I said I was I wasn't going in there thinking I'm gonna win I'm the best player here. It was more like. I've done a lot of good work. I've been playing very consistently. I think I'm probably going to, you know, when I got into the room, I just had a lot of focus and I could trust myself to play the way I've been playing. Like I said, I was very nervous, uh, but it was kind of a calm state of mind. And I do think that um, the mental self-talk and, and just the various other confidence boosts I had gotten over that period of time helped me to get to that mental state. And I don't think I would have done nearly as well if I didn't have that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, walking into the Met, I could have I could have been, you know, a, a mess, uh, just, you know, and uh, crapped out right at the prelims because I saw so many great players at that audition. And um, in, you know, previous times that I've seen that, it definitely uh, hit me in, you know, right where the confidence sits and uh, didn't really, definitely didn't help my playing. But this time I was able to kind of brush that aside and just say, play how you play. Well, and I wonder how much of that is related to the fact that you said, I'm going to do it right, you know. I'm going to do it right. I'm going to prepare the best that I possibly can. You even came up with some interesting ways of preparing that I've never heard of. This I find it very interesting, the, the, especially the, the auto-tuned thing playing along with yourself, because then you can hear almost instantaneously 
So you you know, okay, my intonation's great. I know my time is great. And the way you prepared maybe even gave you a lot of that confidence and that kind of – you use the word focus. And so maybe if you could speak to that, having that much focus in your preparation seemed to allow you to have that much better focus in the audition. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Uh, I think it's a pretty simple equation. You practice better, you typically have less to worry about whenever <laughs> yeah. you're on stage. I think uh, for me though, it's it's not just that. I remember I remember as a student comparing myself to the greats like Joe Alessi and thinking that if I can't play exactly like him, then my preparation wasn't good enough at all. And so I think having some perspective after playing in Fort Worth Symphony and other places, that also helped me to trust my own preparation as well because uh, it wasn't that I had to play up to some arbitrarily high standard. It's just that, you know, I, I kind of knew that everyone's human, even the greatest players can have bad days. And also, like I said, my goal was just to get past prelims. And I thought I had a high chance of doing that. I thought my playing was pretty pretty solid, generally speaking. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like... I've always had that vision, you know, when I play really well in an audition, I've had this vision of like, well, it would be really sweet if they just called the audition here and gave me the job. But that that you were so close <laughs> to that is like a really, really incredible thing that I, I, I just don't want to like gloss over, you know, that I, I mean, to make that kind sure. of an impact in a round, I feel like should be the goal, of, ideally of every round. I mean, it's probably not going to happen, right? They're going to run the whole process, but going in there and trying to make such an impact on that committee that maybe even hypothetically in the prelims, they could be like, you know what? We found our guy. That's the end of it. That I think that's like an incredible goal that I've always just told myself was possible, but yeah, you actually almost did it, which is unbelievable to me. <laughs> um, uh, some people have done it. I think, uh, I think Chris Hall, um, he said, I think he got hired out, right out of the semis round. So yeah, but I, I have heard from uh, other symphonies that don't have that particular clause in their audition procedures that, um, like you said, people write from the prelims, you know, they, they keep, I didn't realize this until I was part of an audition at Fort Worth myself, but people remember you between rounds. I never quite grasped that concept as an auditioner, but, uh, yeah, if you make a huge impact in the prelims, I've heard so many stories of players who won and the committee said, oh, we knew who our winner was right from, you know, the first round. Oh, interesting. So I, I do think uh, that definitely gives yourself, even if you have a bad round, not a bad, but, you know, less good round, uh, like my finals round, I think I, I got a lot of comments that they remembered the semis, and that helped me um, in the finals, even when I didn't quite play as, as well. So it's definitely something that I personally kind of have a, a pedagogical rule about, and that's don't play it safe, And even in the prelims. A lot of people say you should do that, and maybe that's mental strategy works for some people, but I think it's it's usually better if you can make an impact right from the start. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh it's really, really great advice. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. It's very meaningful to me that I could catch you. And um, all right, man. Well, I hope you have a good day, and I'll talk to you later. Yeah, you too. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. The system John described at the beginning of the interview, where he recorded himself at half tempo, auto-tuned it, and sped it up into a trumpet range so he could hear the track better, and then played with that track to work on intonation, is kind of mind-blowing to me. I never would have put something like that together, yet it makes so much sense. That kind of creativity is quite inspiring to me. I also really like the way he talked about the mental side of things and how during his practice, he used the mistakes he might have made to practice getting himself into a more positive mindset. We all can struggle with negative thoughts, 
especially when we're looking to be critical of our playing in the pursuit of improvement. So finding something that works for each individual to get into a more positive mind frame is pretty essential, I think. I think that's going to be all for this episode. I want to thank both Jeff and John for being willing to take the time to talk with me and give us all so much great information about being successful in auditions. I also want to thank Brandon Yoakum for his work on mastering this episode. And most of all, I want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.